Good morning, and welcome to a special edition of The Vision for You. My name is Larry Kay, and I will be the host for the presentation uh, this morning. Today is Sunday, January 8th, 2023. Happy New Year to everyone. The, uh, the share ID number, let me give you those numbers for uh, Friday, January 6th. So for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, that number is 19,828. That's 19828. And for the 10 a.m. meeting on Friday the 6th, that number is 19,829. That's 19829. This morning, A Vision for You presents, I will do anything but. <laughs> I will do anything but. That's the name of our presentation. And so what our speaker is going to do, Karen's going to share her, the, the, her experience of of how her old ideas didn't work, and then she's going to proceed to share that as a result of the teachings from the doctor's opinion, Bill's story, and we agnostics in the big book, that how she applied the steps which resulted in her own personal transformation. Well, here's a newsflash <laughs> for me as much as anybody. Most human beings don't like to change. Right, uh, that's that's an understatement. In fact, I would suggest to you that we're that just uh, as human beings, we're really wired to fight against it. Uh, this this you know change, and you know despite the likelihood of achieving a, a revolutionary transformation, um, in the face of change, uh, it, it's it's no surprise that we resist. Right, we we get into the the octagon, if you will, we get into the boxing ring and we defend, we defend something. What, what are we defending? Well, we're defending the status quo. And that is, uh, that's, a, that's a universal human condition. So, yeah, the, the, the food was killing me. But, but, but at the same time, what if these steps don't work? Yeah, I want guarantees. And if I don't get some promises... Uh, you know, from the get-go that this is going to work, that I'm going to be able to handle uh, this uncomfortable feeling, this, this suffering that I'm going to go through by putting the food down. If I, don't, if I don't immediately start feeling better in the first, uh, you know, first week or so, watch this, okay? I'm, I'm going I'm to sabotage the whole damn thing <laughs> by, by a series of half measures. And then I'm going to get back in the ring and I'm going to blame you I'm going to blame the program. I'll blame the text, our text. I'll blame my job, my partner. I'll blame my kids, my parents, my childhood, you know, my upbringing. I'll blame, I'll blame everything. And, and here's the thing. I'll even find fault with the folks in OA that seem to be changing, you know. So the bottom line, no person or situation will elude the spotlight of blame. And you know what I'll do when I, when, I, when I get out of the boxing ring? You know, I'm, I'm bruised and I'm bloodied. And I get back to the quiet of the, of the locker room when I'm all by myself. At some point, I may look in the mirror. And I'll hate the person looking back at me. See, this disease is characterized by so much more than compulsive overeating and, and its related behaviors. It's really characterized by resentment and jealousy and fear and and for me you know maybe you can relate uh, a certain degree of self-hatred self-loathing 
because I can't, I can't do what I really want to do. And I can't stop doing, you know, the, the, the very thing that's killing me. See, the big book does a, a real masterful job, in my opinion, in addressing our, our resistance in all its complexity, because I think it's tied to what Karen's going to be talking about this morning. You know, first, in regards to putting down the food on page 30, the first paragraph, it says, therefore, it is not surprising that our eating careers, I'm going to change it from drinking to eating, that our eating careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove that we could eat like other people. And the idea that somehow, someday, we will control and enjoy this eating is the great obsession of every abnormal eater. In fact, the persistence of this illusion is astounding. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. See, for me, I cling to what I know because I'm afraid that I can't handle what's ahead. You know, how, how, how am I going to survive once I put down the one thing that helps me to cope with the, the absurdity of life. So I, I continue to get blasted in the face with the, the fire hose of tiny humiliations that prevent me from looking away. I'm constantly sprayed by shame that keeps me in this kind of, you know, solitary confinement, I guess. Any compulsive overeater can relate to this on some level. And then the big book tells us that many of us are not going to be uh, particularly in enthusiastic about a solution that reeks of God, right, that reeks of spirituality. And on page 10, when Bill was confronted, I know Karen's going to talk about Bill's story a little bit, you know, on page 10, Bill, he's confronted with a spiritual solution. He was aghast. He said, when they talked of a God personal to me who was love, superhuman strength, and direction, I became irritated, and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. And then he goes on to say, for myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed, those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. So before, you know, as I pass this off to, to our dear Karen Kay, the, the topic this morning of I'll do anything but and told the pain of eating and the spray of that ongoing humiliation and shame becomes greater. It's got to become greater than the pain of putting the food down. I'm simply not going to wave the white flag. And I, and I recognize that giving up, you know, that type of surrender doesn't mean giving in. Rather, it means disengaging from what is broken to become redirected, to become reengaged in something that may just be miraculous. And that's going to take courage, courage to trust in the face of no guarantees. There was no guarantee for Karen. So joining us this morning to share her experience, strength, and hope in finding a power greater than herself is Karen Kay from New York. And I'll say that as a um, former professor, I'm humbly using my authority to allow her Credits to transfer this morning. Karen, your credits get to transfer this morning to this class. <laughs> Karen always kids around about her credits not transferring, and I get it. Uh, but they, they can transfer for this class. With that, um, Karen is a dedicated member of, of Overeaters Anonymous, and she's a devoted practitioner of the, uh, of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions that are found in our beloved uh, big book. So with that, Karen, please join me in welcoming our lovely Karen Kay to the line this morning. Hey, Karen, good morning. 
Good morning, Larry. Uh, that was a beautiful uh, intro, um, and thank you for your service and everybody that's on the line today. My name is Karen Kay, Recovered Compulsive Eater from Syracuse, New York, and my credit stone transfer. And just to kind of cover that up a little bit, what that means for me is um, any work I've done in any 12-step program, including OA, does not transfer into the step work I do today. And it's also been added, which I've learned is the work I did yesterday doesn't transfer into today. So we're all kind of in the same boat. Uh, first, before I begin, um, I want to, you know, welcome if there's anybody new or kind of new to uh, the Vision for You meeting. We're just another, o, uh, just another OA meeting. We just focus on the big book. So this little story, I, I can't take credit for. It was a speaker, and I wish I knew the uh, speaker's name. He went to his first meeting, and after, like, his third meeting, he heard this big book. You got to get a big book. So he goes to the uh, bookstore, and he goes, I'm looking for a big book, ma'am. And the clerk says, how big of a book do you want? So it's really important that what I'm referencing is, as Larry said, the the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, a.k.a. Big Book. Um, I'm just going to spend a little bit of time qualifying. I think it's important uh, to let people know, and I'll be threading it through the big book. And, I, you know, we probably hear a lot on this line, um, recovered, uh, compulsive fever, recovering, uh, grateful recovered, and all these beautiful things. Well, it's mentioned right in the first page of the doctor's opinion. Um, but I just want to back up uh, to the um, uh, to this for, to the to the second paragraph. And also, if anybody does have their big book from AA, please have it ready. If you don't, you can just take a piece of paper and just write down the page numbers, and and you can go look look them up when you buy your big book. When I came into OA of July 5th of 2019, I had to come to the regard that I was hopeless. And what that means for me, I'm out of ideas. I was desperate. I knew a diet club wasn't going to work. And I was blessed to come back to OA. And this is quoted from the a big book. In the course of his third treatment, he had acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery. As a part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present conceptions to other alcoholics or compulsive eaters, you can, whatever works for you, impressing upon them they may do likewise and still help others, and still with others. This has been become the basis of a rapidly growing fellowship of these men and their families. This man that over 100 others appear had recovered. And when that says has recovered, it lets me know, uh, it doesn't say anything in the big book about a sponsor, it does in the 12 and 12, but this lets me know that I need, I need someone that gonna, that's gonna guide me through this work. Um, I came into um, OA when I was in my 20s, um, you know, it was very, um, very black and white, uh, no sugar, no flour. Um, it really didn't, uh, it, the disease progressed over time. I think, um, our, our awareness of this disease progressed o 
overtime, and for me, it needed to get down to ingredients. I don't really get into talking about food too much because my meal plan would probably kill yours, and your meal plan would probably kill mine. Um, Also, in the doctor's opinion, it mentions they believe in themselves and still more than a power, capital T, power, which pulls chronic alcoholics from the gates of, pulls them back from the gates of death. So this disease will kill. It will settle for me being miserable, but it would prefer to have me dead. You know, there was, you know, I go through when I first came in, it was a local meetings and um, I didn't understand um, even though I had a spiritual experience when I came in, I mean, the absence part, I didn't quite get except the things that would, um, me- that would medically hurt me. And I, I would do anything but ask for a ride. I didn't have a car then. And, and I didn't, I wanted to walk to this place that was the first meeting and it was like four miles away. And I said, I, I won't, I won't call. I won't ask for help. I won't ask anybody for the beverage program. I just won't do it. And then it hit me hard in my heart. I need help. I need your help, everybody on this line. I need God's help. And I needed that ride to the meeting. So this lovely woman came to pick me up. And I went to my first meeting coming back. And it had changed. OA had changed uh, for me from my first experience into my 20s. And I didn't get a sponsor the first you know, the first meeting, but the next day, this lady, um, she offered me a ride. I was aghast <laughs> that um, uh, that she offered me because I didn't think I was worthy of this woman's help. Um, she's still in my life today. The first one who took me to my first meeting, she's passed on. She was a very dear friend of mine. So this woman on Saturdays, she would keep bringing me to meetings and I just felt so unworthy, and in my mind and in my heart, I'll do anything but ask for a ride. Maybe, maybe she'll offer pick you up next Saturday. You know, um, I didn't, I didn't know. But going back to um, going back to the uh, big book, we believe, and so suggested for a few years, that the action of alcohol and the chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy that the phenomenon of craving is limited to these class and never occurs in the average tempered drinker that means the average person that eats you know they can take a piece of a chocolate cake and say "Ooh, this is too sweet these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all so if sugar's my problem, then anything that's related to that is just out the window for this compulsive eater. Now, it's very important that if there's anybody new that I'm only talking about my experience, strength, and hope. Try to focus on what you can identify with instead of separate yourself. And once in a while, form to have it, and I found they cannot break it. Once having lost their self-confidence and the reliance upon things human, their problems have been piled up and become astonishingly difficult to solve. That's what it was like when I came into program. My, I had getting rid of my art supplies. Uh, I just, I mean, and we're talking, I'm an artist and 
I mean, my stuff goes in galleries. I mean, it's it's a big deal for me. And I got rid of it. My whole, my whole, I was just so depressed. Um, I just wanted to give up. I, I just, and I'm just so grateful for that time that, that God touched my heart to Google OA in Syracuse. Now, also in the uh, doctor's uh, opinion, it also talked, I call this the cycle, the cycle of the disease. After they have succumbed to desire again, and so many do, the phenomenal craving develops and passes through a well-known stages of a spree, which means another cycle of whatever your eating disorder is, a remorseful and a firm resolution not to eat again that way. I'll do anything but. I'll start on Monday. I'll do anything but. I'll start tomorrow. On the other hand, it's straight, but also in the, on the doctor's opinion. On the other hand, the strange thing may seem that these who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, and what that means is a spiritual change, the way I look at life, the way I treat myself, the way I treat others around me, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems, he he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily to be able to control his desire for alcohol for the only effort necessary being that we call, follow, required to follow a few simple rules. Oh, rules. Oh, my dear, someone said rules. Now, I don't know about you. But I like the word rule, but I think Bill W. had to really kind of put that in there. And really what it means is simply follow the steps. I'm not going to bore you with all 12 steps. I won't bore you, but I, you know, I'm not going to read all 12 steps. But if you wanted to, in the inside of your big book, uh, the fourth edition, if you want to look at the very beginning from all the forwards to chapter three, um, from Bill's story, There is a Solution, and more about alcoholism, that talks about the problem. And the solution is from We Agnostics all the way to A Vision for You, which goes to 164. So you can see, you know, the, the different steps. Bill's story is step uh, one. There's a solution, you know, on step three, excuse me, step one. And we, we Agnostics, we're getting into step two. So we spend a lot of time in step one because have I really have I really surrendered? Have I really asked for the help that I need? Going still in the doctor's in the doctor's opinion, this is this was a turning point for me because I this is where I needed to really get help from my higher power. I needed to get help from others around me. All these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot, excuse me, they cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may there be a manifestation of an allergy, which di differentiates these people and sets them apart from as a, a distinct entity. It has never been in any treatment which, as we are familiar, are permanently eradicated. The only relief to have to suggest is entire abstinence. Now, they're not talking about if I have, you know, a, some strawberries, I'm going to, like, break out. 
It means when I consume a substance that I call it alcoholic food or food that just doesn't serve me anymore, I get foggy. I don't. I don't feel right. Um, I um, become dry in my thoughts. Um, and and abstinence is really just the ticket in the door, and I like to call it. And and abstinence is about how do I live my life? Am I sponsoring? Am I being the idea Karen, the idea wife, the idea per, per, person that goes to church, the idea employee? So I had to really have to, you know, know that, you know, we don't get these ideas like right away. You know, it takes after, you know, um, after steps four and five, I start to believe, you know, in the idea, Karen. And step four is basically doing an inventory of basically of things that don't work or work. And step five is sharing that with someone else, which is can be such a freeing thing to be able to hand over it, as, as I call it. Also, in the doctor's opinion, and I'm not doing the, the XXII stuff. You guys can just go, just read, just read the whole chapter. Okay, again, in the doctor's opinion. Oh, looks like somebody's having a change of heart here. So they're saying, hmm, maybe I will do this. He accepted this plan outlined in this book. One year later, he called to see me, and I experienced a very strange strange sensation. I knew the man by name and partly recognized his features, but their all resemblance ended from a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck. Excuse me. It emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and and contentment. I talked with him for some time, but that was not able to bring myself to feel that I have known him before. To me, he was a stranger, and so he left me a long time past with no return to alcohol. Um, what happened for me, um, I came on vision for you uh, May of 2019, I believe. And then obviously, you know, we all know about the, the COVID thing happened. So I really got on the meeting. Uh, May 21st was my first meeting and the chapter was a man lying in a bed. So all the other clubhouses, everything was closed down. So it's been a good year and a half since I'd really seen anybody. And this is what happened to me when I walked into a meeting and one person said she could not recognize me. And the only thing that she could recognize me is was because I had red hair. Well, she's a hairdresser. Um, but that was the only thing that she could see. And she goes, Karen, you transformed into something I've never seen in you before. You were so unhappy before. You were so angry before. Um, and now I'm able to have my friend back. And that was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now we're going to transform into Bill's story. Now, this is uh, also further on in the book. It talks about not a cloud in the sky. Okay, this is, I'm more um, apt to uh, getting into feeling too good. So I have to really make sure I do a lot of 10 steps, and we'll get into that later. Um, when I'm being able to um, 
when things are going well. I'm really pretty tight with the program when, when things are, are, are not so well. But when I got uh, engaged and, and got married, you know, I really found that I needed to do a lot of outreach. And what basically out, outreach means is just making a call to fellows and seeing how they're doing and also asking for support of the, of the successful marriages that were in my life. And they were of such great support. So here's a, when things when and good time happened. This is in Bill's story, which is in page one. Here was love and applause, war moments and sublime, with intervals of hilarious. I was part of life at last, and again in the midst of excitement, I discovered liquor. I forgot the strong warning and the prejudice of my people concerning drink. In, in time, I sailed over there. I was so very lonely and again turned to alcohol. So right there, you know, for all those years, even though other parts of my life in recovery were okay, um, I was going to food. Um, I was the first one in a anniversary line uh, to get the food. And um, what was really, I would, when I went up for the second thing, the second serving, I just went and got another plate so it wouldn't look like uh, I was having the first amount of food. I would try to hide it. I don't think I was hiding it very well by the time my weight. I came into OA as a, a size 4X. I go between a, a size 1 and a, um, a 1X, and um, I think that's important. I really don't get into numbers. I don't think that's important because, you know, I don't know what my idea weight is. Whatever God determines it to be, as long as I'm abstinent, at, bleh, I can't say the word, as long as I'm abstinent, and helping others, and I'm maintaining and going toward a healthy body weight. I'm not. I'm not concerned because I have peace. I have peace in my heart, and I'm helping others. Now, this is what I had before I came into OA. When I when I came back, on page six in Bill's story, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. The courage to do battle was not there. My brain raced uncontrollably, and there was a terrible sense of intending calamity. I hardly dared, dared cross the street lest I collapse by a morning truck, an early morning truck, for it was scarcely daylight. I remembered feeling that way in the morning. You know, especially that turning point coming back to uh, OA um, within that month. It was just, and, 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 and I said to myself, you know, my last debauch, which it talks about in Bill's story, was um, July 4th. I had a, a huge cookout and invited um, all my friends and just had a big binge. Um, I don't think I really um, was conscious of doing that. Um, looking back at that, that was like my hurrah. Also on page seven, now it's very important. Um, this is also a, a part where things are going well. On page seven, I fared far, I fared forth a high hope for for three or four months. The goose rung high. I mean, things are going really good. I went to town regularly and even made a little money. Surely this was the answer. 
self-knowledge. All these health, all these self-help books. If I could just get some knowledge, if I could just go into therapy more and decide what's going on with Karen, self-knowledge almost killed me. Self-knowledge is a good thing. And, and understanding what makes Karen tick and cracking the code and working the steps, but not just self-knowledge alone. In fact, um, I think about seven months ago, I got rid of all those books and gave them to my therapist and said, give them to somebody who I can use them. Now we have some promises here on page eight. How dark it was before the dawn. This also is still the Bill story, page eight. How dark it was before the dawn. In reality, that was the beginning of my last debauch. I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. So this is a promise, you know, like Bill's experiencing, like something's happening here. And and really, really, um, I mean, I remember feeling that way. And I just want to add a thing when I was, a thing when I was younger, um, I used to have to go to speech therapy. I think I ate over that or starved over that when I was younger, when I look back at it, that right at this moment, when when I was a young child, I used to have to jump up and down to get out what I'm saying. I couldn't put a sentence together. And um, my mom was in a hospital for um, about a year of my life. I didn't get that year of bonding and um, with with my mother. And they were going to put braces on my legs. And then when my mom came walking through the door, I ran to her. And, you know, and then the speech therapy, and then, can you believe I, you know, the way I can't shut me up now, that was a gift of being sober, is being able to try to convey some sort of message and try to help other people. So page 13, what's important about page 13 in Bill's story, excuse me, is basically Bill is doing all 12 steps in 24 to 36 hours. Now, I'm not saying y'all have to do that, but it shows that it was possible. Bill W. did not have a big book. He didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have the internet. And he was able to work those 12, set, those 12 steps to become free. So when I got my sponsor in Vision for You, she, um, she gave me these questions, you know, about dishonesty. Am I willing to go to any lengths? Am I willing to give this program away and anything but did I really want to give it away um, and so on and so forth. And so I think it's very important to know that it is possible to go through these steps quickly. And we'll get into that later. Also, in Bill's story, uh, there's some strong warnings. Very, very important on page, the bottom of page 14 going up to 15. Faith without works is dead, he said, and how appalling true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive even certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again. 
And if he got, and if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it's just like that. Well, that's a promise and a warning. You know, um, being able to share this program once I've had some sort of awakening with the uh, big book. Now we're going to transition to uh, there is a solution to the bottom paragraph, page 22. We know that the alcoholic keeps away from the drink. He has many for, for months or years. He reacts much like other men. We are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol whatever into his system, something happens, both bodily and mentally, mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. The experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. So this is also confirming, you know, the purpose of this book is to understand and to process the 12 steps, but also to have some connection with some power. You know, um, if you have a God from your childhood, just fire it and just get a new one. And I'm not saying you're going to have to do that today, especially if you're new. You know, it, time time takes time. Things I must experience. So, you know, we're, we're not really at that step if you're not there yet. So don't have a, you know, just relax a little bit. Also on, there is a solution. The alcoholic may say to himself the most casual way, it won't burn me this time. Here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often have some of us begun to drink in a nonchalant way after a third or fourth, pounded on the bar and said to ourselves, for God's sakes, how did I ever get started again? The only, only to have the thought supplanted by, well, I'll have to stop with the sixth drink, or was it, what, so what's the use anyhow? You know, there's been people that, you know, I work with, this is disease, you know, I'm just as, I'm I'm sober this hour, you know, uh, something could happen to me today to pick up food, but you know, um, when I work with others, it, it's so important um, if there is, you know, slip, you know, sobriety lost its priority, I can't slip, can't pray when I can't slip when I'm on my knees, all those wonderful things that we hear in the program. But to do a little timeline, you know, the food is the is the actual last event. Then there's all those things that happened before. And usually it is um I I stop doing my on awakening in the morning, which is on page eighty four in the big book. I lost my connection with my higher power or I'm not being of service to, to others. Now we're going to go to, whoops, I got my marker here. Here we go. It's stuck, you guys. Help me. <laughs> well, here we go. Got some good stuff here. Okay, now we're in the We Agnostics, page 45, second paragraph. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live and had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where we, excuse me, but where and how we're, how we're to find this power? 
Now, we've got that power now. I don't want any, I'll do anything but have a higher power. And I'll do anything but call him God. I'll do anything but do step three, which is made a decision to find that power. I'll do anything but. Well, guess what, folks? Listen. Well, that's what exactly this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. That means we have written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. And it means, of course, it means we're going to talk about God. And that's where we are in the meeting right now on on a vision for you. And it's so powerful, all the different ways. Um, I only can use Syracuse as my example. You know, say my higher power is on the east side of Syracuse. Well, there are four different highways to get to the east side of, of Syracuse four different viewpoints, four different streets. And that's what our path is, and my path, I should say, in finding my higher power. The steps are designed for me to find that power greater than myself to which could solve my problem. And it's very, it's, 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 I have to find that power that's more than me, which talks about on page 47. When therefore we speak to you, God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies, too, to other spiritual expressions that you may find in this book. So, you know, these guys were brilliant. Um, You know, they were just like, okay, there's going to be a couple different brands here. Pick one. There's all, there are so many ways. And, and, and the part on page four, the part on page 47 on this second full paragraph, we needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe or am I willing, very important, willing, or am I willing to believe that there is a power outside myself? As soon as a man can say that he does or believe, is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. So that's step that's basically step two. And step three is just basically finding that power that's larger than me and going into step three and saying, you know what, I think I'm gonna let him. And basically step four is covered in we and we agnostics, not we agnostics, excuse me, and how and how it works, it's all the the blueprint is already there for us. You know, and I, you know, I wanted to share um, some of the um, things that I've received over the years of uh, sponsoring in 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 OA and my own. Um, it talks about I will do anything but I'll do anything but purchase a new big book to get new ideas when I work the steps. I'll do anything but get a nutritionist. I I know what I can eat and what I can't eat. I will do anything but not have recreational sugar, but substitutes are fine. This is just my own. I don't have to have anything. Oh, this is I, this is this, this one. This was my big turning point for me. I didn't know what I didn't know. It says I'll do. I don't have dairy, but 
I use non-dairy fat creamer in my coffee. <laughs> and I found out for me, um, I was using the creamer as a carrier with my coffee. This is, I'm just talking about me. I will do anything but have this damn disease. I will do anything but send in my meal plan. I'm not going to show somebody what I mean. Uh-uh-uh. No, no, none of their business. It's been my own business all my life, and I'm not going to change now, and you're not going to get my food. That's what I thought before when I came back to OA. I will, I, I will do anything but I will have a muffin, but not have cake or baked goods. I will do anything but go to that Zoom meeting because you know who's going to be there. I'll do anything but. I'll do anything but go now to a face-to-face -face meeting because people will see that I'm different and I've lost weight for the grace of God that I may get some attention. I'll do anything but do that. I'm going to literally force myself go to face-to-face -face meetings. Um, OA is difficult for me because I work uh, three jobs at one my uh, the the uh, Saturday morning that I really enjoy uh, go, going to. I'll do anything but organize. Uh, I'll do anything but get my meal plan together because I need to organize my quick kitchen, quote unquote, and I need to get the containers I need. These are all obstacles of surrendering. I will do anything but make outreach calls. I don't want to bother anybody. I still get that way. Sometimes I get a little stubborn and I'll just use the app or I may call someone um, that kind of knows the situation more so my shame, quote, unquote, won't be revealed. But now I'm blessed with all the WhatsApp callers because I get up at 4 in the morning. I'm either sponsoring somebody or working with somebody or I need to make outreach calls. So... And Greece is plus eight, so their day's already gotten crazy, so they're going to be really grateful to get my call. I'll do anything but. Everything I put before my recovery, I will lose it. These butts need to go. These butts need to be let go of. How free do I want to be? How free do I want to be? And I just wanted to share during this time in, in recovery when, I, when, when the food was down and I was sponsoring people, um, I, I went to a weekend. Uh, uh, there wasn't a lot of Zoom then. I used to Google any OA workshops, and I went on that workshop, and, um, and I got to see Harlan G. for the first time. And I think it was Region 3 or, or Region 4. I, I can't remember, but I actually did all 12 steps in one weekend. I did it with my uh, sponsor. Boom, 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 boom. And that Monday, my intent was just to get my name out. And my poor first vision sponsor, I've only had two. I'm not, uh, I don't have a lot of, you know, a lot of sponsors in vision. And God bless her. Everybody say a prayer for the first person who took my work because I went so fast. And I put my name out, and on my heart, I just there's a part in Bill's story where he talks about all the thousands of people that he that he could help. 
And I said, 12 steps in seven days. And I had my calendar all marked up where I could have the, the free time. I don't recommend doing that again because I've had different experiences. Every time I go through the steps, I must have a different experience. If I expect the same spiritual experience I had before, I'm not growing. And I had an, an, an opportunity to take uh, the 12 steps for a year. Um, I would not recommend that to the people I work with, but I'm willing to be a little bit more flexible now. And I learned about the, the a set-aside prayer, and I remember talking to uh, my friend in Illinois. We'd Zoom and we'd talk during COVID, and a lot of people we did. And um, I was lonely, you know, and um, so what am I going to do about it? I'll do anything but go dating. I'll do anything but. So I learned about this set-aside prayer, and I said, I'll set aside everything I think I know about dating and men for a new experience. And I like the way we did the set-aside prayer in that class because for step one, set aside everything I think I know about the steps and my unmanageability for a new experience with this work and you. I encourage all of you to listen when the steps are, are, are in every meeting that you go to. We admitted we were powerless over food, dash, that our lives had become unmanageable. No and. The first part of that step only talks about the substance. The rest of it is all about living. And if it wasn't for that class, I don't think I would have gotten married. And the third, you know, official date with a different person, I met my husband and I texted my spiritual director and I said, I think I met my husband today. And he goes, praise be to God on your newfound husband. He texts back because I prayed about it. You know, I went to my spiritual uh, director and I remember being on um, um, the region one convention and saying, doing steps of four and five and said, you know, if, I'm only going to date because the new um, idea, Karen, is not going to date men for food and gifts and whatever, like the old behaviors that I used to do. That is going to be a potential husband. And God will be in the bedroom for that, too. And there's going to be two rings on my finger. And I'm so grateful that I did not know six months later that I was going to meet my husband. And we've been, we got married on October 16th of last year. And so we're working on our second year of marriage. And um, it's the most beautiful thing. And my greatest teacher, because a lot of my 10 steps. And I just want to touch really briefly on what is a 10-step call. You know, usually it's, you know, people think it has to be a resentment or it has to be anger. It has to be fear. I do 10 steps when I don't know what the heck is going on. And I call, and you know, it, it says we turn our thoughts to someone we could help. It doesn't say write about it. It says, you know, we first we turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Then we go to God. And then, you know, I call someone. I don't think it says call someone, but so we, we, we talk with someone. And, and, you know, that's been my greatest teacher. And I went through the steps again um, last spring, summer, uh, with a, a, a totally different sponsor. And she put this book on fire for me. 
Um, and, and she helped me so much. Uh, not, she wasn't my marriage counselor, but she let me know about what, you know, write down what your idea Karen is. What is your ideal wife? Are you behaving that way? What do I believe, which I learned from the 12 month class, what are my beliefs? Is my behavior and my body turning to those beliefs? Am I acting how I want to act and I, and I believe to be? So I was getting dry in my behavior and I wanted to go through the steps again. I'll do anything but to go through those beastly steps again. I'll do anything but sponsor. That's the one that breaks my heart the most. When someone's gone through the steps, they've had an awakening, and they said, I'm too busy now. I'm going to college. I got a job. I got the car. I got the guy. I got the kid. And I'll do anything but go through those steps again. I'll do anything but um, sponsor. That someone's too busy to, 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 to sponsor. And it, for me, it needs to be inconvenient and doing it with love. And that's why I get up at 4 o'clock in uh, the morning. Some of it's for me, for my quiet time and my on awakening meeting. And I just recently um, called that second sponsor. And I said, you know what? I think I need, I called somebody. I thought I needed to do a step on, step four, just my on my husband. I'll do anything but look at my part. And really, it's not, it's not my part. I'm 100% responsible how I think, feel, and act. And the other people in my life, they are 100% responsible for how they think and act. And this lady who took me through the steps that second time, she goes, why don't we do it again? Why don't we just do the whole thing? I go, shit, I'll do anything but what you told me to do the last time because I wanted my agenda. I just wanted to do step, I just wanted to do step four because it's all my husband's fault, you see. I'll do anything but look at myself. So I'm surrendering to the fact that there's a new window of opportunity for change to enrich my life and my recovery and my abstinence, God-given, totally God-given. And I'm so grateful to be here, and thank you for all joining me and sharing this um, journey with me and all the people that call. I'm so grateful when I, when I get your call and to be of service to you. And with that, I'll pass. Uh, thanks so much, Karen. Thanks for a wonderful presentation this morning. Really appreciate your authenticity and just the straightforward nature in which you, uh, you uh, uh, helped us to understand the text and your experience. So we're gonna, um, we're gonna now transition to, to a Q&A. So if you have a question for Karen Kay, what I'm going to ask you to do is to unmute your phone by pressing star one. And uh, please give me your, your first name and last initial. And we'll, uh, if you have a question to pose for Karen. Uh, Brenda A, New York. Brent, Brenda A. Alice A. Alice A. Anybody else? Barbara E. from New Jersey. Okay, Barbara. Okay, well, we can get started. We have uh, so far... Mary Lee R. 
from Mary Eugene, Lee Oregon. Mary Lee. Mary Lee. Mary Lee. Thanks, Larry. Yeah, no problem. Mary Lee. Anybody else? This round? Okay. So here's let's uh, let's go with this. We we have uh, Brenda A followed by Alice. I got Alice A, Barbara E, and Mary Lee R. So let's start off with Brenda A. Good morning, Brenda. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service, and Karen, thank you for a wonderful share. Um, my question is as follows: You alluded to, or maybe I am projecting, that we have to change the higher power of our childhood, which I am in the process of doing. I am recovering one day at a time, and I am so grateful. Can you expound a bit on how you went about, if you had to, um, trading in, I call it trading in the, the higher power of my childhood for a new higher power? Thank you, Brenda. I use that with with people that get um, uh, un, uncomfortable with their childhood God. I was connected with my God when I came into program very, very quickly. And also, I asked people to write down the perfect relationship, all the qualities that they would want in somebody. And no one person can fill it. No six or seven people can fill it. So that's usually something I do with people who have trouble doing that are, you know, they get, okay, I've gone up to the, now we got the G word going on and just, and I work with people on Zoom. So I'm just, I didn't have to do that, but that's what I ask people to do to kind of do a little sedge way to open up to that new relationship. But the relationship has changed, it's gotten deeper and stronger because I've enlarged my spiritual growth. Yeah thanks, I hope for the, yeah, thanks for the question, Brenda. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to Alice A. Alice, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. And Karen, thank you for a wonderful share. This is Alice A. from Alabama. And Karen, I can't remember exactly where it was in your share, but you talked about a spiritual advisor or a spiritual guide that you had talked to. And I wondered if you would elaborate a little on that. Um, basically, it's uh, someone in my life that I have that they have what I want, and I, I can I can trust them, and they're uh, familiar with my um, faith. And when I give my number out at the end, I can share a little bit more in detail. It's kind of it's kind of an outside um, issue, but I, I would be happy to uh, share it with you, Alice. Okay. Yeah, th- thanks so much for the question, Alice. Uh, okay, Barbara E., it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's Barbara E. in New Jersey. Karen, you're always inspirational to me. When I always hear your voice come on, my ears prick up and I listen. But I have a question that you didn't really address, but it's specific. What do you do if you're like the man of 25 who'd been abstinent from alcohol for all those years and thought he could put on his robe and slippers and was entitled to that first drink? 
what do you do if you start to slip into prelapse? Prelapse for me means when you start to slide down, you stop doing all the things you used to do and suddenly you're in the hole and it's so much deeper. How do you, what do you advise people to do who might be in that situation too? Thank you. That's a good question, Barbara. And that's when, for me, is my behavior became dry. Um, I wasn't the Karen that my husband met. I wasn't, you know, lighthearted. I was very easygoing. And I deserved, and he also deserved to have the Karen that he married. So I did go through the steps again, and basically is going through the steps again is what really helped, really, really helped me the most. Yeah, th thanks. Thanks for that question, Barbara. Okay, Mary Lee, good morning. Good morning. This is Mary Lee R. in Eugene, Oregon, um, in recovery just for today. Um, can you give me what your um, what your morning and your evening are like with um, and so far as your program? Sure, that's a really good. That's a really good thing uh, to really uh, to talk about. You know, I never had any routines of any nature until I actually, you know, started going to this to this meeting. And I actually have a calendar that I actually not only do my appointments with, but where where am I fitting my uh, recovery in today? So for me, it's um, in the morning when I'm able to, if I'm not working with someone. I get on a meeting on, which is called On Awakening, and that's actually what Bill W. and Dr. Bob did first thing in the morning, and they actually um, started the day that 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 way. And also um, throughout the day, you know, there's times I work with people. There's times that you know is fun time. I mean, we're not a glum lot, so there is time for fun and play. And then at night, I use um, a spiritual toolkit, um, and that actually is my step eleven. It goes through. Well, how did I? How did I end? How was I useful? Was I full of self? Was I? Um, um, you thinking of only a Karen? You know, did I have a, a, a resentment? Did I do enough spot checks? Did I did I do enough ten steps? And then I do some gratitudes. Now, gratitude I can do any time of the day, and that's basically how I begin and a little bit during and end my day. Thanks, Mary Lee. Okay, so um, if you if you have a question for Karen, again, to unmute, you press star one. We're going to give one more shout out here for anyone who has a question for Karen. Christina J. Christina? Anne S. from Anne. Hi, Anne. Gotcha. Who else? Trisha G. Trisha G. Anybody else? Question for Karen. Okay, so 
So who I, who I heard was uh, Christina J and S, followed by Trisha G. Christina, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. Thank you for a great share, Karen. Oh, boy. You know, this program is about sobriety. It's about sobriety in life, handling life on life's terms with the program of recovery. And when I first went through, you know, like you probably, uh, four-step cleared off the top. And now I've come to a new level, and I wanted you to talk about that a little bit. Um, Stuff from years and years and years and years ago aches and pains that I didn't even know I was still holding down in there are coming up and they hurt like an MF. They really hurt. I know what I'm supposed to do, go through again, but did you find that as you went along in recovery that these these things, some of these things were coming up and almost knocked you over, possibly not to even come back? I mean, some of this stuff is pretty heavy for me. And all I know to do is get back in and work hard and uncover, discover, and discard. And it scares me because they're so deep. But maybe you could talk about maybe one of the deepest things that's come up for you and how you work the program to recover from it, walk with it, accept it. I know acceptance is the answer to all my problems. But some of this stuff, I don't even, I don't even know. So anyway, thank you for working with me on this. Um, and I'd be happy, you know, when I get my number out, we can talk more uh, one-to-one. This is I, this is how I do a 10-step. Um, our building has been sold. Still don't know. But this we're talking like six months ago. I think it was like September. Uh, no, it's not six. I can't do math this morning. Well, anyways, August or, or September, and no leases are being renewed. So I do, started doing 10 steps out of fear. Fear, 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 fear. And what I did, the second 10 step I did, I take my higher power, I go back in time, and for me it's like a video, okay? Not a flashback, not, you know, anything dramatic. It's a gentle video that my higher power is showing me. And what I was revealed to me as when I was in fourth grade I came home and we lost our home and we had to move. So not only was I doing the current event, it was something from the past. So I asked my higher power to heal that, to heal that memory for me. Because my God was there before and my God is where with me now. And I was on a frantic thing, you know, my husband and I, I pushed, pushed, pushed. We got to find a place. We got to find a place. We got to find a place. And we stopped. I said, we don't know what's going to happen. And we still don't. So that's a, you know, when I do my 10 step, I go out loud with the person receiving my 10 step and go back in time. Because my 10 steps are very, really on a current event. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not. And that's part of one that I, in, in a you know, general but specific way that I can share now. Thank you for the, thank you for the question. Yeah, thank you, Christina. Okay, Ann S., you're next. Come on up. How are you, Ann? 
I'm good. Good morning. This is Ann S. as in Sam, and I'm in Maine. Karen, thanks so much for um, your talk this morning. My question is around um, working with newcomers. And um, I'm fairly newly recovered, and I'm still kind of learning how to talk about this program with someone who doesn't know much about it. And I'm just wondering, like, when you talk to someone who is thinking about OA but hasn't signed up yet, how, like, what are the top three things you might tell them? Well, typically it's a couple of questions that was said to me. Um, I forgot there was another person I did go through the steps with, so there was three different ones. Um, but th this third one, um, her first thing to me was, are you done? And if there's a long pause at the other end of the phone, they're not, re they're, they're not done. And it talks about in the book, you know, to be a purpose of those who could use my help. Because for that one no, there could be 10, you know, people that could be trying to call me or actually really want to work the uh, steps. I also ask, we set up boundaries. You know, the times we're going to meet, you know, like the, um, I don't really get into like a lot of assignments, um, but we do the work. The work needs to be done when we meet on Zoom. And um, if there's a lot of slip and sliding in the very beginning, um, it's between them and God and their doctor, and maybe they're just not ready yet. And it, I, know it, I know it hurts to see people um, in this disease and they just can't keep the food down. It's really, it's sad. But in the um, beverage program, what I learned is we got to walk, it sounds harsh, we got to walk over the bodies and keep moving and looking for that next person who is so on fire and so desperate, desperate cases only, desperate for this program to work. And sometimes it's maybe I'm not the voice for you. Or maybe you're listening to your disease more than your recovery or your attempt at recovery. It may not be the time. Um, and just keep putting my name out there. Keep, you know, keep picking up my phone when I don't know the uh, number. Because it could be someone calling and asking for help. And that's a good question. It's, it's, a, it's a tough thing. But the big thing is about boundaries, how the relationship is going to work, uh, what, what are they looking for? What, what do I do as a sponsor? And um, I don't have a blanket all way of, of sponsoring because each person is so, we have the common disease, but each person is a slightly different with that I'll pass. And, that, and that's a good question. Yeah, thanks so much, Ann. Okay, hey, Tricia, G, before we go to you, I'm just going to, I'm going to flip the lights off and on, up and on. Last call, last call. <laughs> Karen, you remember that? Uh, I do yeah. too. Uh, <laughs> anybody else uh, before we go to Tricia uh, also want to get their name on the list? There one. Okay, I'm going to take that as a no. So uh, Tricia, oh, who's that? Did I hear someone? Yeah, Donnie K from Ohio, thanks. Was that, I'm sorry, in my old age here, was that Donnie? With a D? No, Donna. 
Okay. Donna. Okay. I got you, Donna. (laughs) You're going to be our last one. So let's go with Tricia G and then we'll uh, wrap up with a question from Donna. Tricia, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. This is Tricia G. I'm recovered in Washington State. And thank you, Karen, for your presentation. It's just what I needed to hear this morning. I guess my question is the flip side of the last question because I was looking at it as someone who is recovered and worked the steps a few times looking for a new sponsor. And I was just curious because you've had that experience as well, what you in particular was look, what you were looking for when you were finding a new sponsor um, beyond just like, does the time fit and that kind of thing? Because you were talking about ideals in other relationships that you had, and I just wonder how that re- how that played as a sponsee looking for a sponsor. Thank you. What I've come to realize is that the first sponsor that I have, we've pretty much always kept in touch for for three years. More so re- recently, over the past three or four months, uh, lost touch for a little bit, and I know I can go to her. Um, but sometimes it's good to hear a new voice. And I remember I was looking for one before I found the, the third one to go to go through through the steps. I must have called. I can't tell you how many people. And we get started, and um, it it wasn't a match. Um, it just uh, it, whether it be time zone or um, I was at that particular time. I was so um, all or nothing from a dry thinking. Um, I mean, I was abstinent, and that's a I, my food. You know, it's yeah. It was just it's. Asking for what I need, and the third person that went through the steps, she was on for the steps. It's my job to get a God squad that I can call and reach out and ask for help. So I have different people that take my my retire at night, and they they're usually abroad and. They make comments on mine because typically, on my upon um, when I retire at night, if there's a theme, and that's what was coming up with me is my resentments and being upset with my husband, that I knew I needed to do a fourth and fifth again, and that's when she said, well, "I think we should do it over," which was good because I had such a strong experience with her. But I don't expect the same one. So sometimes, I guess when I guess just turn the tables here for a little bit. Everyone I've worked with has known that they could call me. It was either up to them to make a call. Sometimes we had an an appointment to call. And God bless this person who calls me on Mondays. I mean, she still calls. Like three years later, she still calls. It's about the relationship. So I can't make a sponsor their job is to guide me through the steps and get a spiritual experience and get me ready to sponsor uh, other people. Some are able to do that and some are not. 
But during that process of doing the steps is when I'm increasing my God squad and people that are going to tell me the truth and don't co-sign my bullshit. So it's kind of, I don't want one person. Uh, and really, and I've been telling people um, lately, I'm getting called to say, well, my sponsor says, my sponsor says, and I ask, well, what do you think? So I'm asking, you don't have to an- answer me, but what, what, what do you think you need to do? Because I look at it as God, self, sponsor. You know, if someone's brand, brand new and they're like two days off, whatever their food is, a slightly different case. But usually if someone's off, they're off their ingredients and they're, they're doing a 10-step or they're calling, it's God, self, sponsor. So I throw that your, your way. If you are recovered and you're looking for another sponsor, do meditate about it and get God in the decision process. And with that, I'll pass. That's a good question. Yeah, thanks, Tricia. Okay, so for our final question. Hey, Donna, when's the last time you had a drum roll? You ready? Quite okay, a while. Donna. <laughs> I'm such a child. <laughs> good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, yeah, it's Donna Kay from Ohio, and um, I am recovered. Uh, I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling with uh, trying to meet the needs of different people that I'm sponsoring. I was wondering, Karen, what your experience has been um, in. Uh, there's such a variety out there. It can be overwhelming as to, quote, how to sponsor. And I find it a little little confusing. I'm a rule follower, and I really like things kind of laid out a little bit, but, you know, it doesn't always work that way for sure. Um, what, how did things go for you when you either went through the 12 steps quickly or you sponsored someone quickly through the 12 steps? I'd be interested in your experience if you've had that. Thanks. I do sponsor quickly, but it's also important uh, to remember the purpose of this book is to have someone find their own conception of God. That's the purpose of the book. And And the doctor's opinion does a medical examination of what entire abstinence is. Either is or it isn't. So, since I've had a different experiences, I sponsor different ways. Um, I'm doing things a little bit different. I'm reading now because my I had such a profound experience um, with the sponsor that I'm working with again now, and we're doing something a little bit different than we did the other time because I, you know, it's it needs to be. Um, challenged more um so usually by the time they get through the first assignment like if someone is like off their food for like a day okay i don't tell them to call me back in in two days i just give them a bunch of stuff to do and if you want to know if you want to know what that is you are more than welcome to call me to see if they're, they're so busy with that homework and they give themselves, you know, keep, keep them busy. And basically, it's big book stuff. It's podcasts and things and things of that nature. And then and send in your meals. And basically, 
if they if they can do that for 48 hours, one hour at a time, then by the third day and they're touching base, day one and, and day two, then they're ready. I'm just so grateful, you know, the experience I had that I was so willing, but at the same time that I I can be a really hard on myself and the last thing a person needs, we're all beat up enough before we get into this 12-step program. We're, we're already beat up. I'm not here to beat pe people up. I'm here to be kind and to be supportive, but direct. Uh, one lady I was working with, um, you know, I said, are you ready? And, you know, and then, you know, this one was like a year later. And then she started, you know, listening to her disease more. And and I just said, I don't think I'm the person for you or the voice that you need to hear. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's sad and it's true. You know, someone says, um, there's some stat out there somewhere and like one out of a hundred make it. Now doing the math and the people I sponsored over the past three years, plus um, five still call me. Uh, but there are some others that are sponsoring or their life has changed, have gotten married or whatever. Uh, but this is, a, this is a deadly disease and it'll settle for me being miserable, but it will prefer to have me dead. So if a person's not getting it or, you know, um, I work with them for just so long, and then it's time to either maybe re refer them to one of my uh, people that I've worked with or someone I know of. I'll get a call and I'll say, well, I like that person's message. Maybe you want to call them. So it's a really complex question with a complex answer. There's a lot of different ways for this. Not all, it's not all or nothing. But that will pass. Yeah, yeah, Donna, thanks Thank so much you, for the question. Yeah, thanks, Karen. And Karen, we're so, as we wrap here, we're so, so very appreciative of um, of your generosity this morning. You did a wonderful job and appreciate everyone who's on the line this morning, everyone who posed a question for Karen, and just all the people behind the scenes, especially Nancy out in Michigan. She's rocking and rolling with the board this morning. Just takes a lot of folks to put all this together. So we're going. Let me give you the share ID uh, for the uh, for Karen's presentation this morning, Sunday, January eighth. That number is nineteen thousand eight hundred thirty-three. That's one nine eight three three. And so at this point, uh, just know that uh, once we close, we're going to after we stop the recording, we are going to um, uh, ask Karen to leave her contact information. So hang on for that. And so we're going to close as we do on a vision for you. I'm going to read from page 164 um, in a chapter entitled A Vision for You in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until.